One of the best ways to support the FTF podcast is to check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, interviews, and plenty more. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I am your host, Jesse Reiners. And I am your host, Alex Kendall. And we have another bonus episode with bonus episode 14, and we are going to be diving into who are the insurrectionists in the Halo universe. Yeah, so you may have you know known them, whether you've played Reach or have been really diving into the written materials, uh, and you'll see that there's the insurrectionists, which is basically this insurgent group or terrorist group, depending on who you ask in the universe that is fighting against Earth. And these are typically outer colonies, some inner colonies as well, that have banded together to try and... I guess there's multiple reasons they're doing this, but a lot of it's just to kind of get independence Mm -hmm. away from Earth because a lot of it is Earth pulling their mining resources or pulling their personnel for war. So it's it's trying to get that independence or revenge on a certain aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to dive in a little bit, so the insurrectionists, also known as insurgents, rebels, innies... You know, various names you see out through the universe are groups of human individuals devoted to complete liberation from the UNSC and from Earth itself. You know, they were the UNSC's main concern pre-human covenant war just to try and get a foothold in space and to keep things, you know, nice and tidy. Mm-hmm. You know, because we were seeing a lot of bombings, captures, just a, a lot of terrorist activity going on on various mm-hmm. colony worlds you know, some on Earth that we're seeing. So that's really where we start with this. Different groups of rebels use a variety of tactics to combat the UNSC, ranging from using sabotaged industrial automata ship-to-ship combat. Some factions, including the Freedom and Liberation Party and assorted groups at Epsilon Eridne, resorted to terrorism, striking targets with explosives to sow fear and chaos in the region. Meanwhile, Lorene Castilla's group focused on space combat, capturing UNSC warships such as the Corvette, Callisto, and the frigate Bellicose, and turning them against the UNSC Navy in bloody ship-to-ship duels throughout the outer colonies. Yeah, we saw a lot of this in The Sweet Life of Preston Cole. The Sweet Life. (laughs) Yeah, The Sweet Life uh, of Preston Cole and Cody. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we we saw a lot of that because, remember, the, the Bellicose became, I think, the Belarus... Mm, that's probably wrong but it was these captured ships and they kind of had this flirtatious kind of back-to-back like i'm gonna get you no you're not type thing and we, mm-hmm. we saw them still kind of help the unsc in a way escape the covenant so you know it's 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 interesting to see how the factions functioned and and, and really who was with them mm-hmm. yeah one tactic among insurrectionists ground forces was to use performance enhancing chemicals known as rumble drugs that radically increase the subject's physical strength and pain tolerance, but would also cause irreversible psychological damage that would kill the user shortly afterwards. So, you know, they teach us in school, don't do steroids. I don't know what school you went to. Mine just don't do drugs. You're just like, get pumped, but don't use steroids. Oh, no, we we had a very anti-steroid part of our health class. It was kind of bizarre. Uh, Notably, they were used to combat the Spartans due to the temporary superhuman strength they granted. Mm -hmm. And we saw this, too, in another one of those short stories. In Evolutions, yeah. In Evolutions, you know, where we had an ODST stranded with a boarding party and the AI, I forget her name, but she's like, you know, that's going to be dangerous. Like, I, I got to do something mm-hmm. to, like, get this going. Because he had, I think, got hurt as well. So, like, it basically, it's basically roid rage immediately type thing of just, like. Hell yeah. Just, <laughs> just you know, getting super strong, but just tearing apart the physiological and the mental state of yourself. Mm-hmm. To continue on, public opinion of the insurrectionists ranged from sympathetic to adverse. You know, there were some such as like George, you know, 052, who supported the notion of colonial autonomy while strongly condemning insurrectionist violence. So George, you know, pushing that aspect. I mean, we even saw in Reach, we saw him really caring for those people mm-hmm. and, and really taking, you know, that, that kind of big guy, soft heart mentality on it. Yeah. And I, th- I think 
and it's it's pretty crazy too coming from a Spartan too to like have that mentality towards it but to really understand what these people were going through because most of them in a way weren't insurrection I mean we saw really weren't insurrectionists there that was just farmers and other people trying to live under this tyranny, and then also under the covenant. Mm-hmm. UNSC propaganda and ardent supporters of the central government underlined the unity of humankind as a whole, casting the insurrectionists as freeloaders and terrorists who were really unwilling to you know, work together. So they're trying, to, they're trying to play down this unification, saying, listen, we would all be great and unified and perfect. The covenant would have never happened mm-hmm. if we didn't have insurrectionists. Yeah. And we, we see this, and we're going to kind of end this episode talking about the real-life implication of mm-hmm. this and how we see it today, because we see that in pretty much every government today. If there's a minority that's working towards this, you know, that's a small segment, it's typically cast off as terrorism or against the good of all type thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, many civilians on Earth in the inner colonies, you know, kind of shunned away from any of this violence, saying, you know, it's kind of beneath them, believed that if they had met any of the kind of insurrectionist demands that there was one party that said, just, just do it, just Nike it mm-hmm. and just let them have their autonomy. Like then we'll be in you know better hands. But then there's that staunch party of them that's saying, no, they're the ones causing this downfall. We need to put them down. So it was kind of the, 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 the go between you'd say. Yeah. But the UNSC took the latter and worked with Halsey on a secret project, creating these Spartan twos. Mm-hmm. So this was the original idea, if you didn't already know, that the Spartan II was originally created to combat insurrections, to combat other humans. Yep. It wasn't this kind of nobility aspect of these super soldiers will fight the covenant and save Earth. It was more so, we need to control this rebellion. Here's some super soldiers to deal with it. That way we can stop sending in Marines to kind of get hurt or dead. We'll just send these giant cyborgs, as they're called, and take care of them. Mm-hmm. And now jumping over to a little segment to give you an idea on what happened pre-Human Covenant War, during the Human Covenant War, and post-Human Covenant War. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of break down how the insurrectionists survived, kind of what was going on, what was their somewhat demands, and, and kind of who was about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most insurrectionist movements stirred in the outer colonies, with the war starting in the year 2494, where many colonists started to demand independence from both the United Earth Government and the United Nations Space Command. Many citizens of the outer colonies considered the Earth Government to be oppressive and imperialistic, partly due to their having to pay taxes to the inner colonies and general opinion that Earth did not represent them. Over the next two decades, the fighting spread to some of the inner colonies, particularly the Epsilon, Eridni system. Yeah, so this is where we start to see some of our first factions that we saw in the Fall of Reach, mm-hmm. in Ghosts of Onyx, you know, all that that was kind of stirring as we started to create these Spartan programs. Around 2511, the rebels base in the Eridanus system had overthrown the colonial government of the Eridanus II and largely controlled all activities within the system. The UNSC responded harshly, seeking to put down the rebellion forcibly. Also, in 2511, a major insurrectionist terrorist attack occurred on Mamor when the rebels detonated a nuclear device in the Haven Arcology, killing 2 million and injuring 8.3 million. Yeah, because this is really where that public opinion started to really, really turn, and the UNSC started to seek out, you know, we got to take care of this. Like, well, it's millions. It's millions. And so this was when they kind of detonated, they detonated a nuke, basically. And wiped out basically whole civil population, and rightly so. You know the UNSC started to respond to it, and you know around this point there was still attacks going on here and there. But you're going to start to see a lot of these like segments of these groups mm-hmm. be much more hostile than some that are just demanding certain things, and you know Boston Tea Partying it and whatnot, and 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 those aspects of it, but. Here's where we get, you know, our good boy Johnson in on this. Yeah. Because starting in 2513, Operation Trebuchet was one of the largest and farthest reaching operations ever conducted in UNSC military history. It was devised in order to rid UNSC controlled space of the insurrectionists once and for all. In 2513, same year, a space battle occurred between the Eridanus rebels and the UNSC as part of Operation Trebuchet. During the battle, UNSC achieved a heavy victory with the loss of four destroyers. 
However, elements of that rebellion were able to escape and hid in the nearby Eridanus asteroid belt to establish this major base. And we see that within the books because we actually mm-hmm. will see that they go there, kind of squash this rebellion with this pirate, which I love is basically just a pirate. And they end up needing their help to kind of refuel and get away from the Covenant. So mm-hmm. UNSC and the Insurrectionists, they do form a weird rocky bond during... It's all together by like... Not even duct tape, like scotch tape. But essentially, it's the, but it's the off-brand scotch tape. It's the dollar store scotch it's, tape. It's not the cl- it's not the clear kind. It's the foggy mm-hmm. kind. And it's your, not translucent. And your grandma's had it in like a cupboard for like twenty three years. So it's like turned like yellow. Yeah, and that's and then someone licks it and then puts it on there, <laughs> and that's about how well this is held together. But it was more so for mutual survival during the Human Covenant War that we're going to mm-hmm. talk about. That you see a little bit. It's kind of like the you know, hey. We're not going to kill each other right now. We may still do that. But if we don't, like, our, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend currently. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 2525, the Office of Naval Intelligence reported that it had uncovered a breach within UNSC Fleet Command. There were several spies for the insurrectionists within Fleet Com. They also had discovered that the rebels were led by Colonel Robert Watts and that they had connections to the outside world and were being supplied by outside sources such as cargo freighter Leyden. That year, a group of Spartan twos underwent a covert operation and captured Watts from the very heart of the rebel operation base, the rebel stronghold of Eridnus Secundus killing many rebel soldiers and civilians who were present at the base. So, yeah, that was kind of that first major blue team spandex fight mm-hmm. <laughs> in the fall of Reach when they just had their basically just spy. They like submachine guns and then, yeah, like the the Under Armour. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically Nike and Under Armour partnered with the Spartan program to, like, get a sweet collection mm-hmm. um, and basically send them in with that. So it was a, a minute amount of protection yeah, because John ended up getting shot mm-hmm. there. Yeah, like it was basically for, I think, more like stab wounds and stuff like that, like slicing. It kind of mm-hmm. helped against that, but bullets still do what bullets do. <laughs> <laughs> and then jumping over to the Human Covenant War. Following the beginning of the Human Covenant War in 2525, Operation Trebuchet was promptly abandoned. You know, this was due to obviously all the forces going, okay, we need to now fight on two fronts, but one front has glass and cannons. One has machine guns. Well, also, the insurrectionists aren't trying to wipe out humanity like the Covenant is. And that's exactly it. You know, you're going against, do we fight this thing that's kind of always going to be there no matter what because it's a cause? Or do we wipe out this enemy that wants to wipe all of us out, maybe for good, which would be a good thing for the system, but maybe terrible? Yeah. So, you know, that's obviously where everything got shifted over to. Mm -hmm. And then around... You know, between 2525-2526, UNSC forces were sent to put down insurrectionist forces on Jericho 7. ODSTs were deployed on the planet for over 131 days, being dropped on a rebel stronghold at one point. Around the same time, a group of insurrectionists were engaging UNSC Marines and Spartan 2s when both sides came under attack by the Covenant. You know, two groups, once again, brought out that grandma scotch tape, wrapped it around themselves, and fought together to fight back the Covenant. Mm-hmm. That same year, an insurrectionist cell on Alpha Corvi 2, led by Captain Whitaker, allied themselves with Spartan Blue Team when the Covenant invaded the planet. Despite the truce, the Spartan superiors abandoned the rebel allies, resulting in the complete annihilation of the rebels despite their invaluable assistance to the UNSC. So this is where they went back and kind of refueled, and they're like, you know, we'll be back uh, to save you. And as they're like going away, it just gets wiped out. See ya, suckers. Pretty much. Yeah. So by 2531, Spartan 2 Blue Team was deployed to root out insurrectionist operations over the course of several months. They disrupted rebel operations, including Station Jefferson, the Destroyer Origami, a saboteur cell on Reach, an incident in Micronesia, and a high-explosive manufacturing facility at an unspecified location. Mm-hmm. Spooky. In, <laughs> in response, the rebels gathered three stolen Fenris nuclear warheads at Camp New Hope in a way so sloppy that the Office of Naval Intelligence easily noticed, then contacted the UNSC and offered to trade the nukes in exchange for medicine for their people allegedly suffering from Boren Syndrome. The rebel leader, General Howard Graves, then set a trap for Blue Team, who they anticipated would be sent. During Operation Smoking Aces, 
the Rebel successfully ambushed John 117, Frederick 104, Kelly 087, and Linda 058 by using an anti-gravity plate. However, the Rebels were unaware of the presence of the fifth Spartan, Kurt 051, who had avoided the trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because going back, this is obviously the start of Ghosts of Onyx. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then he sneaks in, takes them all out, and even John's like upset. He's like, ah. Oh. Graves had a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. I love that. Because they, they basically put down these choke collars on him that's mm-hmm. like, we will fry you. And he's like ready to push that button. Kurt comes in and like, what were you doing? We need that info. And he's like, you would have died. Yes, but we need that info. That, I, I that's am, fair. I am a robot. <laughs> but but that was, you know, the the that situation where we did see Blue Team, the new Blue Team to come together before then like two months later he gets shot off to space and... Is because Oni wants him and is like, we need him. But he's part of blue team. Just shoot him into space. <laughs> just pretend he's dead. They, bizarre that they can't just say, you're getting reassigned. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And then also during the Human Covenant War, insurrectionists from the outer colony of Madrigal colonized and inhabited the Rubble, a sophisticated asteroid habitat orbiting the gas giant Hesiod. In the Rubble, an uneasy truce existed between the humans and the Kigyar, who had originally helped the insurrectionists build the habitat. While most of the Rubble's population were insurrectionists, the Rubble also protected most of the surviving civilian populace of Madrigal. So, going over to our Cole Protocol. Which is a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this is where we first really get to meet Young Keys, you know, working with Grey Team, mm-hmm. and a really interesting story about, you know, once again, Keys. Being one of the cool good guys, understands that, yes, there is a rebel faction, but most of Madrigal is here. And we need to figure out how to save them as the Kigyar pull out their proverbial knife into the proverbial back of the colonists. Well, remember, a lot of the people as well on on Madrigal were just people just – they weren't exactly insurrectionists. They were, mm-hmm. just, they were just trying to get away from the UNSC. They weren't – they weren't soldiers. They weren't anything like that. They're just like, we just kind of want to be left alone. Well, yeah, because they had their own council. They had everything. Obviously, mm-hmm. we had, you know, read the story. There's some betrayal in there. Yeah. But most of them, if they did join up to a quote-unquote insurrectionist there, it's because that's the only option they thought they had. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah. they needed to get supplies, medicine, anything for their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where we kind of start, started seeing the other side of that coin, mm-hmm. really. During the Battle of Psy Serpentis in 2543, insurrectionists actually helped Admiral Cole. During the battle, an insurrectionist fleet led by the Bellicose suddenly entered the battle and launched a Blitzkrieg-style attack against the Covenant fleet, decimating it. Then, just as it appeared, the insurrectionist fleet jumped right back into slip space. Ironically, this was the same ship Cole engaged three times earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. So we kind of brought that up, that kind of mm-hmm. love story they had of, like, not really knowing who the bellicose captain was, realizing it was, you know, this woman, and they had this, like, flirtatious mm-hmm. of, like, I will capture you, and she's, like, poking fun, like, dude, we've, we've, been, we've done this dance several times. Mm-hmm. And you saw that that was once again this really heartfelt moment when, you know, Cole was pretty much outgunned, outmaneuvered, and the Bellicose came back, saved him. They thought the Bellicose was lost from there because they thought yeah. it kind of fell into, I think it felt, they thought it fell into the sun that was there. Like sucked into the gravity. Yeah, sucked into the gravity of it, but realized that it was actually able to get away, and Cole, we somewhat learned, like finds out who it is. Then there's the, the theory that he actually escaped to go live on a, a beach with them, mm-hmm. so... That's a different rabbit hole we'll go down. <laughs> and by 2552, so, you know, obviously right before we're going to start getting some pew-pews and whatnot, some big pew-pews, some might say, <laughs> by 2552, most remaining insurrectionist factions had ceased active aggression against the UNSC in order to concentrate on surviving the seemingly unstoppable Covenant advance. Still, some rebel movements actively opposed the UNSC on worlds such as Harmony and Reach as late as 2552. You know... In that same year, the Spartans returned to the Eridanus asteroid belt aboard the UNSC Gettysburg Ascendant Justice, so that weird hybrid of a UNSC and a Covenant ship mm-hmm. making babies, where they met with Governor Jacob Giles. And sorry, this is my favorite pirate guy. Not the other one. That one <laughs> I don't care about that one. But Governor Jacob Giles was the leader of the rebels at the time. Giles engaged in a brief showdown, quote-unquote, with UNSC Vice Admiral Danforth, in which Danforth Whitcomb threatened to fire a Senate Justice's plasma turrets just to decimate. And it was just kind of just like back and forth, like who's got the more, who's got more arms? Like who's, mm-hmm. who's the bigger force to deal with? 
Giles ends up kind of respecting it in a way and says, come on down, refuel your stuff, like, let's talk. But within that, they realize that the Covenant cruiser that had been patrolling them caught up, figured out where they were, and started to basically get ready to bombard. And after fighting off this one ship, you know, they thought, hurrah, we did it. We actually took down the Covenant with this. And they're like, cool, let's refuel. Within that same amount of time, though, you know, a huge force of the Covenant fleet came by, uh, forcing the Gettysburg hybrid to leave and kind of leaving the asteroid belt to once again fend on its own and unfortunately taken out in that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, they were just all destroyed. Mm-hmm. So now let's move on to the post-human Covenant war. So now it's kind of, it's making a little bit more sense that the insurrectionists are going to kind of come back now. They're like, oh, well, the Covenant's pretty much fine. Like, we've stowed them off, so let's kind of get back where we were. Well, and it's that mentality of, okay, so humanity and Earth's main enemy is gone. How long until they come after us again? Well, yeah, because that's kind of the mentality of, like, they always want to govern something. They always kind of want a conflict. So mm-hmm. who are they going to look for now? They're going to look for us again. Uh, so after the end of the Human Covenant War in 25 25- 53, many insurrectionist movements, which had ceased their operations during the war, began to resurface. Entire colonies under insurrectionist control had intentionally cut themselves off the UNSC's communication relay network during the war. Despite the UNSC's attempts to broker peace with the surviving outer colonies and Fleet Admiral Terence Hood embarking on a diplomatic mission to discuss reconstruction. Entire colonies refused to cut all ties with the UNSC, which, according to them, had abandoned them during the war. After the end of the war, many insurrectionist cells were also able to acquire copious amounts of Covenant and UNSC weapons and equipment circulating in the black market. Mm-hmm. I mean, we start to see a lot of that and the idea of it in Karen Travis's Kilo 5. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing the aspect of... Now that the war is over and the prophets are gone and, you know, the Sangheili aren't like this ruling, you know, faction force over all these other aliens, they're kind of doing their own thing. The Kigyar going back to piracy. Uh, we have, you know, the Ungoy just being Ungoy <laughs> and, you know, all, all those aspects of it. So, you know, once a war is over, I mean, we see that even in real life. A lot of that stuff gets traded around, mm-hmm. sold to certain areas, moved around. So... They're getting better equipped than they really ever were. Yeah. And and talking about that, obviously, we get to Venencia. And this is where we're having a huge, I wouldn't say a huge insurrectionist population, but a very large trading population that didn't keep things on the books in a yeah, way. Yeah, definitely a more safe haven for the insurrectionists. Mm-hmm. And, and really allowed them to turn a blind eye because they weren't really a, a warring world I would say mm-hmm. it's much more that black market aspect mm-hmm. they're here to make money you know we, we obviously had uh, Stefan Senska there with a mission but even looking at the Kigyar there that are trading they have like mansions and stuff because they're like yeah. I'm just here for the buku bucks <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. I, I, don't, I don't really need anything outside of this so we would definitely start with them and see that there's really the sovereignty starting to happen with this colonial alliance starting to build up Mm-hmm. So in January 2553, a group of insurrectionists led by Isla Zane of the New Colonial Alliance attempted a hostile takeover of the UNSC Infinity. The attack was repelled largely due to the efforts of the Spartans Sarah Palmer and Edward Davis. This incident exposed Admiral Mattias Drake as the, the secret leader of the New Colonial Alliance. Mm-hmm. And this in the lore is where we actually first hear about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're first hearing that there is this whole new actual like built up alliance going on because yeah. before you had obviously your rebel factions that you know they had everyone speed dial mm-hmm. and it was kind of just like you, you you caught up with them yeah now we're actually getting this whole united force started so it, it seems more buttoned up it does time. and we actually have a, a unsc admiral you know or unsc higher up depending on what his kind of rank was before that mm-hmm. actually join up and really start this up yeah so it's it's not looking good but in March 2558, Captain Daniel Clayton joined Admiral Drake's new colonial alliance and sought vengeance on Admiral Hood after discovering he acted as a benefactor throughout his entire career in an attempt to make up for the loss of his father, Captain James Cutter, and the UNSC Spirit of Fire. 
Having learned of Lord Hood's diplomatic mission to Elian IV, Captain Clayton leaked intel about peace talks and employed the help of Zanghili mercenary Vada Gajat. And on March 5th, they led an attack on the peace conference. The tide of the battle changed when the delegation reestablished communications with their orbiting fleets and escaped from the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is really that kind of start to initiation. Mm-hmm. And to to kind of talk about, or basically Spartan Ops too, if you want to call it that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, really starting this off and and really messing up what might have been an interesting peace talk between you know the Jirohane and the Sangheili. Uh, we'll see how long that even would have lasted for real life. But it's interesting to see like this whole idea of retribution. You know, working with an enemy and seeing now this is really where we first start to see Sangheili mercenaries mm-hmm. and. Not everyone is part of this, you know, beautiful covenant under the Arbiter. We're seeing Julem Dama's forces coming. We're seeing rebels within the Sangheili. We're seeing mercenaries. So this is really where we start to see the actual turmoil happening just kind of all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After their failed assault on Elan 4, so Captain Clayton lured Hood and was like, oh, there's a spooky ship over here you should go look at, basically. (laughs) But lured him in with a signal. Um, and showed him, hey, look, I got this big thing for you, and it was actually a basically a mobile glassing cannon. So think yeah. of it as you know, like an orbital Mac gun, pretty yeah. much, but it's kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. Fires on the Infinity. You know, Hood's thinking he's going to die there. He's like, I don't want to die, like knowing this is happening. Eventually, leads to Clayton's capture, where he is just starting to spout out, you know, Drake's new verses. But <laughs> but uh, Mattias Drake's like like whole Magnus Opum mm-hmm. and talking about how you know we're gonna lead the UNSC is going down. This is this is what you know everyone needs from this, and this is really really where we start to see the turmoil between this new colonial alliance and the UNSC kind of birth. Yeah, and so that thus far you know kind of within research and kind of where we are is really where we're going to kind of wrap this up. We'll still have a little bit more of that coming up in some of the uh, books and and some of the other aspects of it. Unfortunately, I don't think 343 really dives too terribly much into a lot more that's happening. We will get some more stuff in like Silent Storm and, and a couple other books, but it doesn't seem as much of a forefront as we thought it would be. Well, also stuff that's going on like right now. Mm-hmm. And this is also to you to figure within these aspects of it coming up, the banish are going to be coming about. Mm-hmm. You know, you also have obviously the entire thing with the forerunners and and the whole aspect. So it kind yeah. of sprinkles in there on time to time. But the the insurrectionists, the rebels, really never get a break. They get to like have a time to do this. It's like we're going to start this forerunners. All right, all right, they're gone. We got time to d- banished. Yeah. Okay. Well. I guess it's not our time to shine. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, now that we have kind of this brief history out of the way of who the insurrectionists are, let's talk about the known factions. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as we were learning, it's not really just the North and the South. It's it's we have all these different kind of groups operating with their own kind of intentions. Mm-hmm. But we can start with United Rebel Front. So the leader is Colonel Robert Watts all up until 2552 or 2525 then he was replaced with General Howard Graves until 2531 and then finally replaced with General Harper Garvin and it was formed in 2509 so the United Rebel Front or the URF commonly known as the Front is a prominent faction of the human insurrectionists devoted to complete liberation of the human colonies from influences of the unified earth government and the United Nations Space Command both before and after the human covenant war led by three generals of as of 2531 the United Rebel Front is not a singular group instead containing many cells across human controlled space yeah so this is really our first attempt, this is kind of like what I was saying. This is our little text group, mm-hmm. our little kind of get-togethers we have, it's, potluck. It's the demo that you send out, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, it's like we're all trying to work on this. Like we're going to get together Sunday to talk about this aspect. So it's more of this loose kind of alliance. It's not there. It's just these, these United Rebels who 
have a communication network and are just working in different areas, some for different purposes, like we said, with like nuking colonies and going way too far. Some do that, some don't. But to kind of break it down, we'll give you an idea on really who is in here. So we have the Bico Independence Army, the Freedom League, the Gal Liberation Force, the People's Occupation, and the Secessionist Union. As these, these all sound like great Megadeth albums. Oh, it's 100% <laughs> what it is, and that's how I picked it. But yeah, this really is where we dive into you know a lot of those stories we had in The Fall of Reach, in Ghosts of Onyx, in Cult Protocol, you know, all of those kind of original books. This is where we're going to see that, that, you know, United, Rebel Front, that URF, that's going to play. We're going to see, like I said, a little bit of it post-war mm-hmm. in, in like uh, Silent Storm and a couple other books, but we're primarily going to be seeing it kind of early on. Mm-hmm. And, and one that we first see, we, we already touched on, was the Eridanus Cell, uh, led by Colonel Robert Watts. And our first appearance we're going to have is The Fall of Reach. So this is obviously where our first baby blue team in their uh, trademarked Under Armour, mm-hmm. you know, go in to kind of squash this rebellion. And it has happened successfully. So they go in, eliminate some of the guards, and are able to take him out of this fancy hotel. He's kind of in a penthouse, and are able to take him out of there. Obviously, John gets wounded, but this is really the first start we see to the Spartans in action taking on the rebel forces, the insurrectionists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is really where we start with this. And then obviously, even with him gone, they're able to escape out of there and repair Eridanus Segundus. However, obviously, it's end up being wiped out by the Covenant. Yeah. But the next faction we have is the 111 Tari Cell, uh, who was led by General Howard Graves. And this is where, you know, they first appeared in Ghosts of Onyx. You know, as we had talked about, it was with Camp New Hope, uh, the headquarters of Graves. This is where Blue Team went in Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, were captured. Kurt was just a little too smart for them. Yeah, and and this is really where we first start to see a cell that is technologically advanced, and they're they're informed. They know because mm-hmm. remember, at this point in time, Spartans are kind of like these ghost stories, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, they they not only know about them, they capture them. And if it wasn't for Kurt being a little more intuitive, they would have. That would have been the end of Blue Team, and then we would have never had Halo Combat Evolved. Yeah, because Graves was, was really smart about it. He knew about the electromagnetism. He mm-hmm. knew how to kind of collar them up and knew that, like, badly stealing warheads would cause a, a large force to come after him, mm-hmm. even though, like, he badly stole it on purpose, but they didn't really think that they were smart enough to steal it bad on purpose, so they thought they just stole it he, bad. It's like literally you walk into a store, grab a candy bar, and go, I'm walking out with this. I'm mm-hmm. stealing this. And then you walk away. Like, that was the same thing that happened. Yeah. And that's exactly... And then, but outside, you have 20 giant thugs waiting with you to kind of beat <laughs> up the cashier who's going to come stop you. Because that's pretty much how they led this. Exactly. Yeah. And really after that, that was just kind of the end of the... the uh, yeah, the kind of, one the whole, one one Tari cell. Yeah, it kind of ended it with Graves there. Obviously, Graves being you know concurrent leader with the URF, but after his demise, you know with Kurt's hand and Blue Team, it kind of took that cell out of commission, at least lore based way, mm-hmm. took it out of commission. And I think with a lot of those that were there, they just get absorbed into other factions mm-hmm. that survived that aspect of it. But a lot of it was pretty much just as I think everyone there was just a trap set for the Spartans. You know, fake dock workers. You know, fake fake aspects of it, fake warthogs mm-hmm. that were there that were on those aspects. I'm just a dock worker with my bazooka in my holster. <laughs> Don't look at me. My bazooka bubblegum is like I think of. <laughs> uh, next, we jump over to the Secessionist Union, led by uh, Gerald Onder. It was formed in 2487, so one of the older groups to kind of form. But it was dissolved in 2502 after uh, Gerald Onders was assassinated. And her first appearance is in the Halo graphic novel. So, really, this is where we start to get a little bit more of the visuals on it. This is a, a minor cell, and I think it was really written into the graphic novel as more of an aside and t- trying to talk about like what happened before all of it happened type thing, before the Spartans were even talked about or being trained. Mm-hmm. And so, really, what they did was start a lot of these terror attacks and form up with Robert Watts, who helped lead these forces at the time. So this is really where we get before, you know, we kind of lose him 
in just a Spartan mission. This is where we get his kind of story and start. And we get a couple operations within this. You know, we have this Operation Charlemagne, which is going to try and take back the Eridanus system. However, in Eridanus 2, this jumps into, you know, United Earth government forces. So they're able to kind of take this back and push back the rebels. But by 2496, a number of these agents were actually working undercover within there. So the, the, the UEG comes in, is like, this is ours. And they go, okay. And they go, do you want to hire us? Like, we're really cool officials. Like, we know what we're doing. Like, yeah. sounds good. So this whole spy force was in there. And that allowed them to kind of know about the Orion Project and really that kind of, quote unquote, Spartan One project. Mm-hmm. But basically to, to kind of know about that and to really figure out what's going on. But the UNSC, especially the UEF, kind of knew this at the same time. And this is where we had, you know, Operation Kaleidoscope, which is actually where we get to meet good old Corporal Avery Johnson. Uh So Johnson actually basically helped with the assassination of Gerald Anders and to deal with this aspect of this rebel union on Harvest. Yeah. And, And this is actually what really led the rest of the secessionist union to just kind of crumble. It just yeah. kind of like, it was kind of one of those things that's like really good on paper and it's a smart idea, but then your leader gets like shot in the head in front of you and you go, I'm going to, I'm going to go home. He's the most protected guy and he just got assassinated. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for us? Yeah. So that, that kind of, that kind of dies it out. But by 2509, numerous rebel cells from this, you know, whole secessionist kind of union idea did start to get together under Watts to form the United Rebel Front. So this was mm-hmm. kind of an aside in the Halographic novel, but to kind of give an idea on who, you know who kind of Johnson was, yeah. Also, who Watts was, and how the you know United Rebel Front started, and really what their meaning behind a lot of their actions started to be, and what it kind of transforms into. Mm-hmm. So next we have the Unidentified Rebel Group. First appearance was in Halo Wars, and this is an unnamed rebel group operating against the UNSC on the planet Harvest and Arcadia, with possible influence on other colonies. The seal of this organization is a stylized white fist on a red circle and is found on nearly all of their units, which I think is like the most cliche rebel uh, uh, kind of symbol, which is like just a, a, a fist over a circle. They mainly use stolen technology from the UNSC. So basically, this was just some units in Halo Wars. Yeah, so they had to write just like a really quick backstory to them. Yeah, and and, and because basically they were a neutral faction in a way. They would attack whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just kind of a, a, a map thing to have. Mm-hmm. So and then we have like another smaller one, which is the Freedom and Liberation Party, which sounds very uh, 1700s American Revolution. Oh, yes. Uh, so first mentioned was in Dr. Halsey's personal journal. Uh, in 2511, an affiliated terrorist with the party detonated a commercial nuclear weapon inside the Haven Arcology Memoir with uh, killing 2 million people and injuring a further 8.3 million. And after the attack, they demanded the CMA withdraw from the Eridanus sector. And by 2558, it was commonly believed that they had been scooped while several members had moved to other insurrectionist factions. So this was just kind of an aside, because mm-hmm. talking about, basically, they were also somewhat part of that United Rebel group, and they were the ones, like we talked about earlier, who were setting off those nukes. And, mm-hmm. and it was just, I think it's more written into Halsey's journal to talk about the severity of what was going on early mm-hmm. on before the Spartans, and I think really helped her justify the Spartan program in a way because mm-hmm. it was like one of those things where it's like it's making her sick and so upset so it's like okay cool this is kind of like the fuel I need to make Spartans mm-hmm. next up we have the people's occupation with their leader Nemiso Brayet formed in 2487 affiliation within that United Rebel Group or Rebel Front and first mentioned in Halo Mythos but first appearance in Halo Silent Storm the People's Occupation was an insurrectionist organization based on reach that sought independence from the UEG. One of the leading positions in the group was a vice counselor held by Namiso Brayet as of March 2526. The People's Occupation is likely tied to or synonymous with the People's Occupational Government, you know, having kind of established this, and we'll see that a lot, of establishing their own governments with their own rules that we saw on... Yeah. 
plenty of different systems and that we're going to see, you know, really continued on. You know, on March 12, 2526, Vice Counselor Nemiso Brayat of the People's Occupation met with the leaders of various rebel cells in the Granada sector to discuss the emerging covenant threat. Brayat argued that the insurrectionists should allow the covenant to cripple the, the Earth government, even offering the covenant coordinates to Earth as a peace offering. Before the discovery of covenant forces on reach in August 2552, the Office of Naval Intelligence suspected the ultra-radical wing of the organization was responsible for the communications blackout at Visegrad Relay and asked Vice Admiral Michael Stanforth to return to reach to deal with the problem. So mm-hmm. this is really where lore is kind of neat on this one, too, of saying, like, mm, maybe it was humans who did leak some of this stuff, you know, because was it shipboard data the Covenant had stolen? You know, was it some people that they had brought on and tortured? I mean, you know, who was it? I like that it's always somewhat ambiguous on how they really found certain areas. Yeah. And 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 kind of like, it's your fault. It's your fault. And, and to never truly know in a way i guess i guess is the best way to put that yeah but next we have the venetian movement the first appearance is halo glasslands so throughout the human covenant war the insurrectionist movement established a base of operations on the colony world of venetia all contact with the colony was lost by 2543 and it was presumed to have come under the control of an insurrectionist government as the colony remained intact in 2553. They are suspected to be planning a strike against Earth in a direct assault on the resurgence UEG. Yeah, so it'd be pretty much Stefan Senska's story. Yeah, uh, what we had recently covered. Highly recommend that book and episode. Yeah, so basically the talks on this was just... Once again, what we talked about with Venencia, it was this insurrectionist planet that slowly kind of grew more into this black market planet later on. Mm-hmm. That was more for the trading aspect of it, hiring hired guns, you know, trading whatever you had. This was kind of the somewhat safe haven that the UNSC really after the war to turn a blind eye to because once they lost communication, they're like, that's an outer we're not going to worry about it right now. Get out of here. And they were kind of able to work autonomously until Kilo 5 really came in and, and kind of stirred them to some things up. Mm-hmm. And next we have the Bandusa Insurrectionist Group, first mentioned in Halo 4, Ford Unto Dawn. So you know, if it's only mentioned once in Halo 4, Ford Unto Dawn, it's going to be good. <laughs> Uh, But so the Bandusa Insurrectionist Group was an organization operating on Mars. Two of its members, Christina Rice and James McCann, were disguised as army specialists working in New Harmony. They were stealing weapons for a possible attack on the New Harmony spaceport. But on April 2nd, 2526, they were arrested by UNSC forces working alongside Oni agents. Got them. So it's it's really just a, a blip on the lore map, I would say. Yeah. You know on such a fantastic uh, piece of film. And uh, <laughs> it, it was just more of those asides that I think they actually did well with that in that film was like the little bits of like seeing the covenant slowly start to approach, like through those videos that you're watching, like little asides was kind of neat to get some of those like little capture points in there. Mm-hmm. So next we have the Bico independence army and they were led by Erland Booth and the commandant. Led, I, I need my Russian commandant in there. They were led by the commandant Erland Booth and their first appearance was Halo Silent Storm. So during the insurrection, the BIA launched repeated attacks against the the Bicon Chancellor failing to execute the coup six times. By the 7th, the BIA managed to hold the city of Mandalum for two months, the BIA repeatedly proved to be a thorn in the side of the UNSC and the Bicon Planetary Militia and the Chancellor's Guards. By 2526, the BIA was growing in power and was one of many rebel groups summoned to a meeting organized by the United Rebel Front General Harbor Garvin and Bellicose Captain Lorene Castilla. Ooh, who we do get to see again, which I uh-huh. will tell you as you get further in, it's kind of... All asides for 343, they really do cool stuff like this, which I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, To discuss the emergence of the Covenant threat and how it may affect the insurrection. Upon learning of the UNSC's Operation Silent Storm, an audacious plan to use the imminent Covenant attack on 
Spico as a distraction to allow a special task force to convertly destroy a number of alien ships. BIA leader Erland Booth was outraged and demanded assistance from the other groups to prevent the destruction of his world. The rebel coalition force organized a coup against the Baikon government, hoping to offer the world to the covenant in return for assisting in the destruction of the UNSC by revealing the location of UNSC world. So we're starting to see kind of this, you know, going behind some people's backs and backstabbing and all this stuff with the covenant as well. Yeah, or very early on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. just post-war. It wasn't just kind of during the war. It was right at the the cusp of it. Mm-hmm. And you see some of this really, and we'll discuss this at the end, a lot of this does fall on Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, using this opportunity to kind of let these people die out in, in exchange to destroy these ships really backfires mm-hmm. and really, really allows these rebel groups to grow before and during the war to really be a thorn in their side afterwards. Mm -hmm. The coalition force set up a base in the ice quarries on the moon of Sioba, establishing numerous Savet AFVs, hundreds of infantry and M41 Vulcan anti-air guns. Unfortunately for them, the quarry had also been selected to use by Task Force Yama, and the resulting battle saw the foiling of this plan. So it's 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 always one of those things where like this is a cool place for a base. Here we go. Oh, you're here too. Oh, I guess we gotta battle this out and just get wipes out. Yep. Next up, we have the Galadu Emancipation, and so first mentioned in Halo: Silent Storm. So it, a lot of this that we're gonna see is really the last aspect of the before the war insurrection. So Silent yeah. Storm deals a lot with that. And like you said, creating the the, the United Rebel Front, really formulating this and really mm-hmm. giving an idea on, you know, who tipped them? Who gave a little bit of like slid the napkin over at the bar with some info to the Covenant type yeah. thing? So the Galadu Emancipation was an insurrectionist group operating around the planet Red Stove 6 during the insurrection. Following the start of the Human Covenant War, the Covenant glassed Red Stove 6 and wiped out the entire Galadu Emancipation cadre with it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have much to do. <laughs> <laughs> they were just kind of there, and they got taken out, and then. And I think as an aside, it was kind of like, listen, if the you know if the UNSC and if the United Earth government doesn't help us, this is what's going to happen to the rest of the planets. Like you'd see yeah. what happened to the Galadu. It's like that's the issue that's going to happen to all of us as outer colonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then finally we have the new colonial alliance, probably the more the if not the most official sounding rebel name yet. And it really is because this is our post-war alliance that's forming with ex-UNSC, mm-hmm. insurrectionists, ex-ONI, a, a, a huge amount of people mm-hmm. coming to this. Well, I think it doesn't so much have, like I said, even the name itself, it isn't like the rebel group or the insurrection or secession. It's we're just this kind of new faction wanting to do our own thing. It kind of They're coming off as we're not trying to secede against you. We're just trying to just form our own thing. And, and to really... Bring an end to Earth. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that that's a huge aspect of it now, whereas before it was down with Earth ideas. Mm-hmm. But now it's more so we are going to decimate and destroy it, and we are going to take control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was formed 2553 and was found by General Mattias Drake and led by Captain Daniel Clayton before he was captured and then taken over by Isla Zane. As we know, that was that Spartan that we saw in Initiation mm-hmm. who went crazy from the augmentations. Yeah, and, and we're going to see you know a lot of that coming up. Well, more so, but to get an idea on who this is, mm-hmm. to get like these like some notable leaders in there, like you said, with going with Daniel Clayton and Isla Zane, starting to drum this up. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm hoping that we do see a lot more of this in the future, mm-hmm. and, and just a lot more of the aspects of these rebel forces coming through. Be really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they also are affiliated with Vada Gajat's mercenary group. And uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. And their first appearance was Halo Initiation. So the New Colonial Alliance is an insurrectionist group active after the Human Covenant War. This group was led by Admiral Mattias Drake, who was secretly an insurrectionist. Another prominent figure in the movement was former Spartan IV defector Isla Zane. The NCA was responsible for a failed takeover attempt of the UNSC Infinity in early 2553. The rebels gained control of the ship, but they were eventually defeated by Spartan for Sarah Palmer and Edward Davis. And the other ones. And the and the other guys. But, you know, this is when we did see that 
Isla Zane was launched off of the ship, and she kind of wakes up. And she, gets Spart- like, she gets basically Spartan kicked out. Yeah, and and, and it does. It, uh, that comic, I remember, ends on a cliffhanger because mm-hmm. all of a sudden she's in a ship, but we don't know who ca- who who got her. Yeah, because she's like, she's like, oh, you actually came, and like that's pretty much where that wraps mm-hmm. up. Yeah, unfortunately, another thing that three for three does is we're just left with that. Yeah, she I she appears again in. This she might appear in between them, but I remember her being in the second season of Hunt the Truth. I will say it's the only real two places they're mentioned. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and so it's it's just kind of funny. It's like she just all of a sudden we we end on a cliffhanger, then she shows up again in this podcast, and then well, and I'm and I'm I'm just confused because it you're starting all these kind of like really cool groups going, Mm -hmm. but then like once you like really dive into Forerunner, you're like because I really think that Isla Zane is. Could be one of the most compelling insurrectionist leaders because she, you know, the best leaders, in my opinion, as well, is is like uh, these strong ones that, you know, they'll send off their waves. Yes, you're right. The good leaders are the strong leaders. I meant like physically, like, you know, they'll (laughs) they'll send off their their waves of like soldiers to go fight. But if they really have to, you know, they'll They'll, go in and they'll jump in. They'll Aragon it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's like, in my opinion, like you had a really cool character here to really do some awesome things with and have a bunch of encounters with ODSTs and different Spartans and all this thing. And then it kind of it kind of never really came to fruition. Yeah, and, and just to wrap this up real quick, because we're going to jump into our talks on this. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of end this with with Clayton. You mm-hmm. know, obviously we've told his story about who's captured, and he's like, you know, Drake will win. And that's really where we're left, except for some extra materials, like I said, Hunt the Truth, and some other mentions throughout some of the other materials. Yeah. But looking up a lot of this, the, we're not going to steal it. I'm hoping... We'll see how this comes out. If and it has some of it, it won't. But that's the hope is like, that's where like Drake comes down. He's like, hey, it's me. What's going on? <laughs> just like that with the finger guns he just yeah, did. Yeah, pews. But, but yeah, with that being said, you know, we, we've learned about kind of this brief history of the insurrectionists as well as these factions. There are some that are a lot more prominent. There are some that, as you said, are just kind of like just a quick timestamp, if anything. Yeah, just more of a lore aspect, mm-hmm. just to kind of tell you that there there still are more systems out there and there were yeah. rebel, rebel factions on it. But yeah, so Alex and I have actually had a, a million discussions on the insurrectionists themselves, so I guess really now it's time to actually put it out there and discuss kind of how we feel about their ideologies and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start it off. You know, my if you've been listening for us for a while, you know my opinion, I love... The insurrectionists. I love the rebel groups. Down with the UNSC. Down with the UEG. Uh, just because I love the turmoil that's actually built into it. When we first get introduced to them, you know, as typical is that you hear from any of your governments that are out there in the real world, it's bad people. They're evil. They only want to kill you and take mm-hmm. your things. And so that's where it really starts, and that's why the Spartans are initiated into it. Mm-hmm. But as we get through more of the material, and, and mad respect for, for 343, including a lot of this, is to start to talk about the morality of it mm-hmm. and who these who these people actually are and what they want and realizing that these are just people like you and me who got the short end of the stick when it came to the lottery of where you're born and, yeah. and, and are just trying to make a difference. It may be the wrong way to do it, but it might be the only way they can think of. Yeah, it's the only way they know how. Because when you're backed into a corner, mm-hmm. what do you do at that point? The, the best way I like to compare this is if you guys have ever heard of or played the game Red Faction, uh, the premise of it is is that uh, people have left Earth and colonized Mars. Well, now Earth wants to put harder pressure on the Martians, the people who moved to Mars, mm-hmm. not not like aliens, but the people who lived at Mars, and and basically take advantage and not necessarily enslave them, but the same thing they're doing to the colonies, take their resources, don't pay them, have armed forces guard over them. And that's, that's really the premise of the game is, is working on Mars, trying to liberate your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we see that, you know, a lot, you know, with, within the, you know, uh, the halo universe mm-hmm. and really, I mean, to me, it's like, I do understand you know, to a degree, why the insurrectionists are doing what they're doing. Like, obviously, the concept of killing millions of people is is not something we agree with. But at the end of the day, you know, wanting your autonomy and, and wanting to, you know, not have to support everyone else. Like, listen, we're our own little planet. Like, let us be. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really want our resources, let's like work out a deal or something like that yeah. where we're being heavily compensated for it. And, and I've always loved the idea of, you know, trying to stand on your own, like, 
you know, believe it or not, like this nation was founded by rebels, by people mm-hmm. who were literally like, well, we don't agree with this. And, and that's when you Great Britain said too bad. And that's when we fought back. So it's like it's kind of in, ingrained in a lot of nations. And so it kind of makes sense that we see this in the Halo universe in a galactic scale. Yeah. And, and, and to understand like that tyranny of it. I mean, we are now the tyrants as Americans, but um, <laughs> but yeah, to really see that. And like, like I said, I want to compare that to real world because. Not to go on a super, super tangent with this, but I mean, we're fed that type of of, of rhetoric here in, mm-hmm. in the States that we're number one, that these people are bad people out here. You know, even though politically, if you look back all the years, we've either given weapons to some people and then they're bad later and we mm-hmm. deem them bad or we just kind of what it's just a political tactic to either turn your people against them or to get something that you want well the second something goes wrong or you have a disagreement and that's what we see in this is they can't come to an agreement with all these these uh outer colonies mm-hmm. so they're like well they're bad they're against us they're not with us they're absolutely against us exactly and then they take every thing they do obviously as bad as the nuke that kills millions but mm-hmm. every other aspect of it as well even what we see in operation trebuchet mm-hmm. when johnson won't take that shot to kill like to shoot through uh, to kill that woman, she ends up detonating the truck outside that kills a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Blind, you know, blind takes them out and all that aspect of it. You know, we see that as now that's a great PR for Earth. Look mm-hmm. how bad these people are. They killed innocent people in this beautiful truck stop. And mm-hmm. well, well, it's the same thing with how many factions did we just go to? And not all of them are interested in doing that mm-hmm. stuff. Some, like, look at a majority of the people in Venezia who or or uh, the rubble who yeah. who literally were just there. Because they just wanted to get away. Well, and the other reason, too, is like looking back, they're there because the Earth did not step in to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they, they went with the, the who was more appealing and who mm-hmm. said, no, come, come, we're a community. And yeah, and, and that's really what a lot of this is built on is the UNSC wants the resources, they want the manpower, they want whatever, but they will not supply in return. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like we want everything from the people uh, from who lived at the other place before the rubble. But we're not going to protect you. Mm-hmm. It's not worth us protecting you. Yeah, you're on your own, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, the second things get a little rough, see ya. Yeah. It's definitely really compelling because, again, like, you'd never really expect it if you had just played the games and you find out, oh, the Spartan 2s were created to battle the insurrection. It's mm-hmm. like the insurrectionists, in my opinion, are so, you know, engraved in the core of Halo. Like, they're even in the first book. We have a whole story with them and even in... And some of the earlier stuff, like uh, the Cold Protocol, uh, Ghost of Onyx, everything like that, in, in Contact Harvest as well. Like, it's really important part of the history that I think nine times out of ten is overlooked. Yeah, and I think we we truly, truly – we get a look into it, obviously, in the first few books and in the mm-hmm. Cold Protocol. But once we get to Mortal Dictata specifically, is where you first get that look of – the true, true morality, especially for a UNSC member to mm-hmm. have to kind of, well, my government and my military tells me to do this. But when I'm here, it doesn't it doesn't equal that. Like this, yeah. this, this bad guy poster you gave me isn't who these people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for the most part, as I said, they're people just living. And, and even then, you see the motivations of some of their leaders. Not all of them, granted, but some of them are just... They were backed into a corner, mm-hmm. and and or or Stafensinski. It was really more about this revenge story because he kind of knew the UNSC did something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and seeing how they're treating everyone. But again, it's really compelling, and I really think that I or I'm hoping that three four three really gives us a lot more with the insurrection. Granted, they have now they have. And it's been great what they've given us, but mm-hmm. give us a lot more. You know, I, I truly want maybe like what's going on with the insurrection right now. Yeah. Well, even like going back to Halo Reach, it's just like in passing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I what I didn't like about that was like you had to play that game, the campaign like two or three times. You're like, oh, those were insurrectionists and rebels I was fighting with. But yeah. They, they say they're they're farmers or everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, it is really like I think I didn't even realize it till years ago. When I was watching a commentary from some of the Bungie folk and and they mentioned they're like, yeah, they're rebels. And I was like, oh, they are. Yeah, they never actually say it. It's, yeah, because it's just kind of like, where did you get those weapons? And it's like, uh, found them. <laughs> yeah. And I, at that time I was like, oh, like they were just like 
found them because they're just like far yeah farmers that literally like maybe found them and then eventually you kind of start have to put two and two together but also the beginning of the game where where they're like oh it was probably rebels that did that took Mm -hmm. out this relay station and then you find out it was actually the covenant but they're only ever mentioned and things like that so it's like and it's always been not bizarre to me i've always wondered why we've never had a game where even for a mission half a mission we're fighting against insurrectionists I want to say it's really because, at least for the game, it's the buildup that you're not killing humans. Yeah. Like, okay. you're, you're fighting the aliens, you're fighting robots, and I think that's really why they've strayed away from it at, at any point, to not never have that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I think it would detract from the crowd, and I, and I think it would feel weird. Well, also, I think maybe there would lose an appeal there as mm-hmm. well, because... I can guarantee there have been parents out there have been like, well, this is a game about killing aliens. It's yeah, they're, not, they're shooting these monsters. It's not a Call of Duty thing where you're killing other humans. So the second then you you kill humans for even half a mission, then all of a sudden the message kind of changes. I get, I get that now. Yeah, because the only place you're really seeing it is in some of the not mainline ones, like Halo Wars. Yeah, where you battle some of those rebels, which is passively okay yeah and and you can fight against other like unsc forces versus like that's the only time i think we really ever truly see it as a game mechanic uh but outside of that it's it's pretty much just in the realm of mentioning it and yeah saying you're bad we'll be back for you bye like that's as yeah, much as you get and seeing them in just the books and comics so you're mm-hmm. not getting a real you're not the one actually pulling the trigger against them mm-hmm. which which makes a lot of sense i understand that but really as i said it's it's really compelling because, I mean, they have their reasons. Some, obviously, we we don't agree with. But then there's a lot of them that are literally just backed in a corner saying, hey, we just want to do our own thing. Can we just be on our own? Like, that's it. And said you have what some would consider a, a tyrannical organization mm-hmm. like UNSC that are like, no, you have to be a part of this. But really, again, it's it's just one of those things where it's it's a lot of ideologies that you can break down and and have a lot of a lot more in depth discussions about. Yeah, I, I think for that, like, I'm hoping this gave you guys an idea on kind of who these insurrectionists were and 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 the lore aspects behind them and really what Bungie and Three Four Three have given us. Mm-hmm. You know, some have given some really awesome in depths. Obviously, some have just been mentions. But I really hope it's an aspect that's explored, whether you want to do it as this really cool brotherly thing that eventually, like, oh, they actually do come and help, you know, with these aspects because the banished are even worse than the covenant. Yeah. You know, whether that's an aspect that's included in there or that, you know, Cortana's army of, of now rebels and other stuff is mm. maybe going to work with that. You know, so we'll have to see what, you know, the future with 343 holds and, and, and kind of what they're doing with it. Yeah, but that being said, that was our episode all around the insurrectionists. So I know we had been talking about doing this for a while, and finally our patrons decided it was time to do one. Yeah, so so if you've listened to it this far, like let us know in the comments on Discord and social, you know, what you think and, and what you think of the rebels, what you know three for three should do with it. Do you think they've handled it well? Do you think they haven't? And what would you really like to see from them, you know, going forward in, in the future media? Mm -hmm. And as always, like Jesse said, this was voted on by our patrons. Uh, So if you want to join our Patreon, it's it's available today, tomorrow. Also, yesterday. It was there. I checked. Yesterday, it was there. Oh, I couldn't find it, but I'm glad you did. I did. I found it. So if you want to join up, we've got some really cool materials for you. Got some really awesome bonus stuff. Things like this bonus episode, getting it early, being able to vote on it, as well Mm -hmm. as post shows, other aspects on it. But want to thank those members today. Yeah. We have Charles Zitter, Tactics. Skyjack, Francis, Harvey Chong, Brandon Reshita, Angry Canadian, ZZ Slipaway, Grant Dillon, Duststorm, Mr. Choff, Cowan Fong Feliciano, Dragonfire, James Gervasi, Jonas, DGamer1298, Alejandro Yaramillo, Quantum Easy, That LL Gamer Guy, Jamie Sneed, McCray Austin, Mega, Thomas Goulding, Nick Hyman, Tuna0317, Brandon Christian, Richard Scanlon, and Let Me Be Frank. So, Thank those members for it. Thank all of you for listening to this. Truly appreciate it. It was a fun one. 
It was mm-hmm. fun to kind of dive into that and pull some of those materials up. If you have any questions regarding our, our Patreon or even just have a question about the episodes that we've done, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And after you like or follow us on there, send us a message. Mm-hmm. And if you have any questions, we are eager to answer them. And through our social channels as well, if you click the link in the bio, or if you find it in the description of this episode, you can join our Discord. You know, we have a, a private one just for patrons, but the, the rest of the Discord is open and free for any and all. Yeah, and if you haven't found us yet, if somehow this is coming into your brain through a dream, or your friend of a friend has told you about this, you can check us out on AM Station 17.2, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, your grandma's uh, gramophone, mm-hmm. play record number three, track two. Mm-hmm. That is where that is found as well. Pull out those old walkie-talkies you had as a kid, tune into Frequency 17, and we will be there for you. Yes, and then as well, you know, those are our preferred methods of mm-hmm. listening. But you can also find us on on iTunes, CastBox, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, anything like that. If you want to give us a start rating, please do so on iTunes as well. So you can write up a review. We love seeing those. And just keep listening to us on Spotify. So if you if you ever have a dream about wanting to listen to a Halo podcast. Or a nightmare. I mean, because that's a lot of this. <laughs> if you also have a nightmare about a Halo podcast. If, if, if you have a nightmare of having to stare at Jesse across a table to record audio, <laughs> you know it's the podcast. And that's how you found out about us. Please let us know, because that'd be awesome. But yeah, with that being said, that was bonus episode 14, Who Are the Insurrectionists? And I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. I'm your host, Alex Kendall. Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. Halo. It's finished. No. I think we're just getting started.